Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Tonight we're going to we're going to go to the book of Ephesians and we're going to we're going to just kind of tie into Sunday this whole next three weeks, this whole 21 day cycle that we're in right now, this prayer cycle. We're going to, we're going to talk about extraordinary tonight, just extraordinary. Everybody say extra ordinary. Everybody say God. Everybody say you. I want your finger at somebody say you and then say us. Extraordinary. It's a wonderful thing to have a God that is extraordinary. It's a great thing to have a God that makes us feel extraordinary. It's a great thing to be a part of a church that is an extraordinary church. I'm amazed at you people. I'm amazed at you. You're absolutely unbelievable. Our nice dirt parking lot. A real nice mulched dirt parking lot was wet tonight. And I was saying, oh God, please help these people. It looked like it looked like a convention was going to be here tonight. People driving through and trying to find parking places. And I heard that even the golf carts was going across the street. Oh my God. And I, I don't think we had any accidents. Thank you, Jesus. And I will tell you right now, don't expect that after church, okay? <laughs> All right, I love you. <laughs> we, don't want to, we don't want to be the reason that you're not here on Sunday. But the joy of just seeing you in the house of the Lord on this kind of night, this kind of week, to see you here. Some of you are absolutely getting your year started off so wonderfully. It's 52. It's 52 Wednesdays. Amen. We're going to have fun every Wednesday night. I've often said that if you'll show up on Wednesday night, I'll give you my best work. I promise. I'll give you my most ardent work. And I will, I will preach to you what I feel in my spirit. So I'm going to talk to you tonight. Turn to somebody and say, Extraordinary. Part one. You may be seated. I'm getting the floor a little bit earlier so we can get you home a little quicker so that you can be at home for a long time before you watch the evening news at 10 o'clock. Or if you want to watch Fox News at 9, you'll be able to be there. Just a thought. I need my glasses there, Mitch. Are they there? Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm good. Ephesians. This beginning of 2013, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. I have chosen to teach three nights from this book of the Bible, sensing that the writings of this book are very timely for us and where we are as a church. Ephesus was home to one of the largest, listen to this now, fastest growing churches in Bible times. Believers were multiplying so fast 
There were lots of salvations, lots of baptisms, as the message of Jesus spread throughout the city. And the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians in about 60 A.D., intending for other churches to receive the manuscripts and the copies of what he wrote to the church at Ephesus. The book is not about problems. Ephesus was not a problem church. It was not a book like Corinthians that addressed a series of problems or the Galatians who were bewitched. But it is more about raising the church's awareness to extraordinary. Paul was clearly on a mission to elevate, to elevate Ephesians' thinking about God, say about God, say about ourselves, and about the church. Perhaps one of the greatest dangers and threats to God's purpose in this hour is ordinary thinking and ordinary talking and ordinary living. It's so easy, folks, to think ordinary, to talk ordinary, and to live ordinary, which causes us to be ordinary, to experience the ordinary. If I could change your thinking and change your talk process in 2013, there's no telling what God would do for us. If I could get you to see the positive, accentuate, eliminate the negative. If I could cause this church to be a talker up instead of a talker down. A speaking up church instead of a speak down church. A church that emphasizes the blessings of God and not when God didn't show up. A church that understands that God is able to do exceeding, abundantly, Above that, we are able to ask or even think according to the power that worketh in us. You know, some folks look at something extraordinary and write it off as commonplace. Ring Lardner was an avid baseball fan, but every other sport to him was just boring. He just bored with every sport besides baseball. So one afternoon when a friend took him to see a football game, Lardner watched the action on the field with total disinterest and disgust. Suddenly in the second half of the game, the crowd came to its feet when a punt returner ran the ball almost the length of the field back for a touchdown. And his neighbor that took him said to the humorist, did you see that? He carried the ball almost 90 yards. So Lardner shrugged, not impressed at all. It ain't heavy. That's taking the spectacular, the extraordinary, and making it ordinary. If you'd have been at our house on Monday night, I had a son-in-law that wasn't Ring Lardner. When Alabama rolled tide, he's got my grandson saying it. He's got me thinking it. When they scored in the first few minutes of that game, I wasn't even around a television. But I heard it. And I heard a, I heard a young man dancing. Dancing. 
No, it wasn't in the spirit. It was in a spirit. But it wasn't the spirit. But he took what I consider ordinary. Because I'm not an Alabama fan. If that had been my Texas Longhorns, or even, I have to say it, the Texas Aggies the other night put an old-fashioned whipping on the Oklahoma Sooners. Gig them. But he took something ordinary and made something extraordinary out of it. And when I walked up, I said, son, please don't tear up the house. Have a seat. But there's some people can take the spectacular and make it ordinary. But God has a way of taking the ordinary and making it super spectacular and extraordinary. But in order to do that, we must overcome negative thinking and folks that are discouraging in the church and around the church. Outside a small town in New Mexico is a sign that reads as follows. Welcome to Portales, New Mexico. 12,493 friendly folks and 8 or 10 grouches. Isn't that the way it is everywhere? There's always a few negative folks around to tell you that Murphy's Law will ruin everything. I like the story about the little boy who was trying to raise some money by collecting old bottles in his neighborhood, going door to door. And when he came to the home of the woman who was the town grouch, the little boy asked, Do you have any Coke bottles, ma'am? She said, No, with a scowl. Then he said, Well, do you have any old whiskey bottles? Young man, the woman said, do I look like the type of person who would have old whiskey bottles? And the little boy studied her for a moment, unfazed. He said, well, do you have any old vinegar bottles? <laughs> I think what we need to do in 2013, are you listening to me? Is throw away our vinegar bottles. Throw away the things that cause us to not be happy about life. Let me tell you, God's been good to all of us. God does not live in the areas of vinegar bottles. He is a God that lives on the bright side of life. This is not a judgment age. It's a grace age. This is not a downtime. It's an uptime. If there ever was a great time for the church, it's right now. If there ever was an awesome time for individuals, it's right now. If there ever was a great time to find Jesus in your life, it's right now. You're living in the most awesome hour that you could ever live in your life to serve Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. God lives outside the ordinary. He lives in the extraordinary. We don't want to have an ordinary start to a new year, do we? We want to have an extraordinary start. So I want to encourage everyone who will to go on this journey that I introduced on Sunday, this 21 days of prayer. And as I said Sunday, it starts the day. It is a 21-day prayer cycle. I used to play golf with the wonderful Coach Roll, and when I, when I wouldn't play well, and I'd be about hole number six, and I hadn't hit a good shot yet, he'd say, son, the wagon's rolling. Get on any time you want to get on, because one can't beat two. You understand that. I need you. And it's important that we understand that even though you may not be on the wagon yet, you might as well get on it and get up every morning and lift your voice to the sky and say, Lord, I am your child. And I'm going to get a prayer life in 2013. I'm going to talk to you every morning. Pastor said, I don't have to read you the morning newspaper, but I'm going to talk to you every morning. 
I don't have to tell you everything wrong in my life, but I'm going to talk to you every morning because I'm going to walk out of this house understanding that God is good and he's greatly to be praised and I'm going to worship you every day of my life. And you might as well start now so you can get in a habit of doing it by January the 27th. Why don't we praise him right now and say, in the morning, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to call the Lord blessed in my life. We're calling 21 days to the extraordinary. 21 days of surrender, letting go of ordinary in your life. 21 days of reaching for the extraordinary in your life. 21 days of refusing to let the place you have been be the place that you will stay. 21 days to the extraordinary, abundant life that God has for you. I'm asking God to help us make room in our hearts for what he would want to do for us. To make room for him to correct us. To make room for him to change us. To make room for him to convict us so that he can elevate us. And this 21-day challenge came from the book of Daniel. When Daniel prayed one day, and he prayed so hard, and the prayer did not get answered when he thought it should. But 21 days later, an angel came to him named Gabriel and said, You know what? We heard you the first day you prayed. Let me stop right now and tell you, I don't care if you feel like you're praying to brass heavens. It does not matter. That is not brass heavens. There is a God sitting on the throne that hears the cry of a baby. He sees a sparrow when it falls. He understands that we have upgoings and down settings. And you'll never pray to a brass ceiling again. It may take a while for your prayer to get answered. But keep praying. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep honoring God. Because a church that prays saves people's souls. Say amen. Say amen. So these Wednesday night teachings from Ephesians will emphasize the ideal of God taking us to a higher level of living, of praying, of understanding what he has for us. Once again, I want to implore you to write your testimonies down because God's going to do some great things. Write it down. Chronicle it. Habakkuk said, write the vision, make it plain. Put it on tablets of stone. Because though the vision tarries, it will come. It will not lie. You hear me. God wants you to categorize his goodness to you. He wants you to write down his mercy for you. He wants you to understand that there is a three-week period that he wants to start this year with you. And if you'll get kicked in this first three weeks, it's amazing what kind of habits you can form right now in prayer. and in pray I'm going to back up right now and say this. It's time for some of you to get your worship in order. It's time, come on now, it's time for some of you to get your hands up in the air and not be ashamed. The Bible said lift your hands unto the Lord. Come on, get your hands up. Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Let the praises of God ascend out of your mouth. Let the righteous rejoice in his tabernacle. Come on, it's time to get your praise on. Somebody needs to get your praise on in 2013. Hallelujah. So these Wednesdays, the 9th, the 16th, and 23rd, we'll conclude this on the 27th, the 21 days of prayer, the 21 days of special prayer, special prayer. Consider these Wednesday nights as halftime lectures. I want you to walk out of here tonight saying, you know, I can do this. I can make this happen. 
There's an old phrase, have you got it good, better, best? Have you got it good, better, best? Never rest until your good is better and your better is best. Everybody say good. good. Everybody say better. better. Everybody say best. best. But I will never rest. Come on now, I'll never rest until my good is better and my better is best. I'm going to be a better preacher this year. That don't mean I'll probably speak better, but I'm going to be the best pastor I can possibly be this year. You may have had a good pastor. You may have had a better pastor, but I'm going to be the best this year. I'm not judging me. I'm just going to be the best God wants me to be and God has me to be. I'm going to be it. I want my staff to be the very best they can be this year. I want you to be the very best you can be this year. I want you to be the best Christian you know how to live. I want you to be the best prayer person you know how to be. I want you to be the best worshiper you know how to be. It's, it's time that we get off the goods of life and off the betters of life and say, I'm going to be the best. I'm just going to step up to the plate, not so I can brag on myself, not so I can boast in the Lord, but I am going to boast because God can make me the best I want to be if I choose to get there with God. Amen? Say praise the Lord. I'm praying that this will be nothing less than a miraculous, God-breathed, extraordinary time for all the church. We need a breath of God to breathe on the church. It's the first of the year. It's a wonderful time to seek God's grace, seek God's favor that he wants to give us. A little boy found an egg in the woods one day, and he went home, and he placed it under a goose, and it hatched. It was a freakish creature. Its unwebbed claw-like feet made a stubble, made it stumble. It, it tried to follow the little geese around. Its beak was not flat but pointed and twisted. He didn't fill in the, with the, fit in with the geese. And then one day a giant eagle flew across the barnyard. He came lower and lower until the little creature in the barnyard lifted his head and stared into what was the sky and what was in the sky. And immediately something in him identified with that eagle. And he began to hobble across the barnyard, flapping his wings, and then it happened. The wind picked up and carried him higher and higher into the blue sky. He had discovered what he was. He was not a goose. He was born an eagle. I will declare to you, I don't know what you were born. I don't know your genealogy. I'm not interested in that right now. But I know what happened when you got reborn. I know what happened when you got reborn. And I'm telling you, it's not the will of God for you to peck around on grain. You are a carnivorous eagle. You are a meat-eating, flying bird. Amen? You are a bird of, of, of the flight. You are something that mounts up with wings. You are something that runs and does not get weary. You walk and do not faint because God has put something in you greater than anything in the barnyard around you. Don't learn chicken habits. Don't learn goose habits. Look up. You're made to fly. You're made to soar. You're made to rejoice. You're made to have a wonderful time in the Lord every morning that you get up. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go there. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's the word. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Verse 5, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and with his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished, whoo, I love that word, on us with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, verse 9, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together. He wants to bring heaven. Oh, you didn't get that. He wants to bring heaven down to you. He wants to bring you up to heaven, even Christ Jesus. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. If you can read that and stay ordinary, then you need to read it again. If you can read that in the NIV and stay ordinary, you need to read the message version. If you can read the message version and stay ordinary, you need to read the New King James Version. If you can read that and stay ordinary, you need to read the King. You need to read every version in the Bible. Because if that doesn't pick your spirits up, if you don't understand how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he wants us to soar above the ordinary of life, how much he wants us to be extraordinary in him, that we can walk through this life and things will not drag us down, but we'll lift things up that want to hold us down. When we walk into a room, we'll be the light. The darkness won't affect us. We'll be the light that lights up the whole room. The Holy Ghost will permeate people. People will be touched by the presence of God. That's what he said. I'm going to bring heaven down and bring you up. Wow. Now, I want the media put this list of all cap lines on the screen one at a time. Verse 3 says, he has blessed us. Say, he has blessed us. Are you a blessed person? Hang on, don't do it just yet. Are you a blessed person? Are you blessed tonight? Do you wake up in the morning blessed? How many like Cheerios before you go to bed at night? Come on, talk to me. Honey nut, come on, honey nut Cheerios. How many like it? All right, you need to try it because it makes you get up good in the morning. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe that's your problem. You're not eating enough cereal and milk before you go to bed at night. You ought to try the bowl of Cheerios tonight and look at those Cheerios and say, I was nothing until he found me. But I eat honey nut Cheerios now. I'm blessed. I wake up every morning feeling so blessed. It's a blessing to know I've been chosen in him. It's a blessing to know that he has blessed us. He's touched us with favor. But I don't have, don't talk about what you don't have. Talk about what you do have. But I, you know, they no, don't don't talk about them. You start talking about yourself. You start believing that God has something for you. You're different than I am. You're different than this man. You're different than that woman. But you're unique in the sight of God. And God's got something special for you because He has blessed us. 
which means he's provided for us. He's provided for you. Amen. Get you some honey nut Cheerios tonight. Number two, he has chosen us. Everybody say he's chosen us. Mm. You know, folks, we're the grafted in branch. Hey, we're the Gentiles. Hey, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like the Lord came to an orphanage. And he looked inside that window, a one-way glass. And there's a bunch of kids playing. And he saw this curly-headed West Texas kid. And he said, I want him. And I walked out. I could have been, I could have been adopted by anybody. But I got adopted by the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. He said it in John 15. You didn't choose me. You might have thought you did. I chose you. You know what he saw in you that he don't see in some people? He saw a heart that would serve him. You're here tonight because God saw something in you through that window, through that one-way glass that you didn't realize that he saw in you. He saw a heart that panted after him. He saw a heart that wanted to live for him but did not know how to find him. And you know what? He saved us and chose us and called us out and said, I want you to be my child. Is that an awesome thing or what? I've been chosen. He predestined us. God had a plan. Your life is destined to glorify him, to bring him honor. He said, I have, I've etched you in my hand. I have you right here. And no man can pluck you out of my hand. Does that, does that mess with you? Does that mess with you that he loves me so much he's got a grip on me? Boy, I used to love walking with my daddy, 6'4", 250-pound man. Dad had hands that looked like ham and, and fingers that looked like bananas. And when daddy put his hand in, on my hand, it wasn't like me putting my hand on his hand. I didn't grab a finger. Daddy grabbed my hand. And when daddy grabbed my hand, I said, I'm here now. I'm here. I got in trouble one time in high school. Shouldn't have gotten in trouble. I didn't do anything wrong, but I got in trouble. And Dad showed up at the principal's office to look at the teacher. And when Dad walked in, I just backed up and I said, Dad, he's all yours. He's all yours, Dad. There's something about knowing that I have a heavenly Father that said, I have predestined you. I have, I have put you in my hand, and no man can pluck you out of my hand. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to go to heaven. If you want to be saved, you're going to be saved. It's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If you want to go to heaven, you just quit kicking and screaming against the pricks because I promise you, God's got a hold of you. And when God's got a hold of you, he's going to hang on. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Number, number four, he has accepted me. Number five, he has redeemed me. The penalty of my sin is paid. Number six, he has lavished on us wisdom and understanding. I get it. I get it. He redeemed me. He accepted me. He chose me. He blessed me. He's got me in his hands. And he has made known to us the mystery of his will. And the mystery of his will is I want you to go to heaven with me. 
I want you to be saved. Hey, do you think you can think a little extraordinary when you read that in Ephesians? Do you think you can make that happen in your world? Get up in the morning, read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, and just go through all this litany of things again and realize that God is for you. Say amen to that. The Apostle Paul, point number one, is clearly calling the church, I'm not far from finishing, to an awareness that they did not have of themselves. It's like a coach with a championship team that doesn't know they're a championship team. He's challenging them to a new sense of reality, to an awareness of who they are. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Everybody say, I'm chosen. Everybody say, I'm predestined. Everybody say, I've got insight. Everybody say, grace is abundant in my life. Now look at somebody beside you and say, you want to go to hell over that? No. I think I want to be extraordinary this year. I think I want to be extraordinary this year. I think I'm going to step up. I'm going to go around higher. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go higher. Because God wants me to accept what he has for me in my life. Say amen. Amen. Legend has it that during the days of the French Revolution, King Louis XVI and his queen were condemned to die. They were escorted to a guillotine in the public square in Paris and beheaded. Then the frenzied mob called, bring out the prince, he's next. And the young boy, their son, was terrified. He was only six years old. But he was in line to become the next king, so he had to be eliminated. And as the young boy stood on the platform, trembling in his velvet coat and patent shoes, the mob screamed, kill all royalty, death to the prince. And suddenly a shout came out of the crowd, don't kill him, don't kill him. You'll only send his soul to heaven, and that's too good for this family. Don't send this boy to heaven. I say turn him over to Meg, the old witch. She'll own him and teach him to be a sinner. And then when he dies, his soul will go to hell, and that's what this royalty deserves. So according to legend, that's what happened. The officials turned the prince over to the old witch Meg. And the vile and the evil woman who lived in the alleys and cursing those around her and stealing their goods. But every effort of hers to have him follow her ways was met with resistance. He clenched his fist. He set his jaw. He had a determined look and would declare, I don't curse people. I don't steal from people. I don't hurt people. I was born to be a king. I am royalty. Boy, I could jump right now. I could jump right now. Hey, used to be an old song we sung when I was a kid. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows through my veins. And I, who was restless and poor, now can sing. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. child of the king. 
There's some things that we just don't do because we are children of royalty. Is it wrong? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You just don't do some things because of who we belong to. There's some places I just don't go because I'm royalty. There's some things that I don't imbibe in because I am royalty. There's some things that I don't put in my mouth because I am royalty. There's some things that don't come out of my mouth because I am royalty. Is it good or bad? Is it sin or not sin? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm not going to be deterred to the right or the left because I'm a child of Jesus Christ. And he loved me and chose me and adopted me and called me his own. I'm going to be extraordinary. I'm going to be extraordinary. Amen. It's easy to let your surrounding cause you to lose sight of who you are. David was anointed by Samuel at Jesse's house when he was just a young boy. And he was chased for 10 long years by Saul before he got his second anointing and then his third anointing at Hebron. But one day he came to a cave called Adullam, 1 Samuel 22. Now you've got to understand oil has been on his head. He's going to wear the crown. He's waiting for Saul's demise. 400 discouraged and distressed and in debt men came. And with him, with an anointing on his life, he let those men affect him instead of him affecting them. I believe with all my heart there's men in this church that can lead 400 right now. I believe there's men in this church that can bring 400 people to the Lord this year. I believe there's women in this church that can absolutely slay dragons on yonder mountain. And bring women and bring children and bring people with hopelessness in their life to a kingdom called Christ. And let them find Jesus in the power of the Holy Ghost in their life. Amen. But in 1 Samuel chapter 27, David, after spending some time with these people, he said, I shall one day perish by the hand of Saul. No, you're not, David. You'll never die by Saul because you're anointed. You're going to be the king, son. You're going to walk in royalty. You're going to have a crown on your head someday. You've already been anointed for it. Let me tell you something. It does not matter what happens this year negatively against you. Understand, you've been anointed by the power of God. You've been set apart. You've been adopted. You've been predestined. You've been blessed. You've been comforted. You've been healed. You have been set in a high, high place. So why don't you just be extraordinary and say, I don't care if I walk through a whole army troop. They will not deter the person I will be in Jesus this year. See, we're not extraordinary because of our ability or because of our talent or our good works. We are extraordinary because we're born to be children of God. The royalty of heaven flows in our veins. You know, the value of a piece of property is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. We know the value of our life, our future, by what God paid for it. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave it all because we are valuable. We are valuable. Second point, and I close. Most people have no idea of the extraordinary investment that heaven made so we can live extraordinary lives in an extraordinary church. 
most people have no idea. He blessed us. He chose us. He redeemed us. In the eyes of most people in our community, our church, this church, is just another gathering of people. It's just another parking lot of cars. Thousands pass by completely unaware of this church's uniqueness. The value that God places on the local church is astronomical. And this year, this year, God wanted me to write this down because I want to tell you, this church is going to go to the extraordinary. And people that have been driving by are going to turn their head and say, you know what? There's a reason there's a log jam out here trying to get in at this light. There's a reason why that there's so many people trying to get in here. Maybe I need to go check this church out because God wanted me to preach that the church will be elevated in 2013. If 12 was the year of preparation, 13 is the year of promotion. And we're going up, folks. We're headed up in Jesus' name. We are, we are dreaming. We're dreaming things that we've never dreamed before. We're going places we've never been in our life. But it is time. It's high time that this church breaks out of its normalcy mode, the ordinary mode, and gets to an extraordinary church of the living God. Can you say amen to that? People don't know what people don't know. And it's up to us to not allow the mindset of people who don't know to affect those of us who do know. Because we must elevate our thoughts. The worst thing we can do is allow how they view us to be the basis for how we see ourselves. We've got to see ourselves as God's redeemed. To be a part of the church is an incredible privilege. Can you say amen to that? You're a part of something that began before you were born. And it'll continue after you die. There are six billion people on earth and every one of them will die someday. And God chose the church to spread the message of hope and to spread the message of salvation. What we are a part of is everything but common. We are extraordinary. Say it. We're extra ordinary. You know, when Ray Kroc stepped into the McDonald Brothers store years ago in California, I don't know if he even realized what he was creating when he was there to sell him a shake machine. But he had to wait so long to get up to the counter that he decided that he would buy the business. And so Ray Kroc gave each McDonald brother, there was two of them, a million dollars apiece for the business of McDonald's. And from that moment that Mr. Kroc became the owner, and now he's passed and gone, but McDonald's don't see themselves as an ordinary fast food place. No, sir. McDonald's is your restaurant. Come on. Come on. Ask your kids. Come on. Are you with me? Ask your kids. It shows how they do and what they do by the service and by the speed and by the teamwork. McDonald's, you may love them or you may loathe them, but there's not a better biscuit and egg and bacon <laughs> sandwich in the morning. Yes. God yes. I want to go right now. Yes. I can't tell you the number of times I've sped up to McDonald's at 1032. And I've said, please. 
can I have a biscuit? I'm sorry, sir. Breakfast stopped being served at 10.30. But you don't understand, I'm a pastor. I've done that. I'm a pastor. I got a lot of people I can influence. I think y'all the greatest business in all the world. I love McDonald's. Y'all are awesome. Can I have a biscuit? And I hear them talking in there and I know I've got them. We have anything left back there? All right, Pastor, I think we may have one biscuit left. I want to tell everybody in the house, it don't matter what day it is, don't matter what night it is, don't matter what service it is, there's always enough time for one more sinner to find Jesus in 2013. I'm going to tell you right now, it don't matter if we're going home and somebody's walking in and we've already dismissed and said our hallelujahs and goodbyes. If somebody walks in and wants Jesus in this house, we're going to scurry up some more biscuits around here. We're going to scurry up the presence of God because God matters more than anything in this house. We're going to be extraordinary. Oh, somebody clap your hands and rejoice to that right now. This church must be a soul-saving station. It's 835. It's time to quit. Everybody say, God, God is extraordinary. extraordinary. Say it, God is extraordinary. Say you, as a new creation, you're extraordinary. Say us, us. We, his we, his church, are extraordinary. Wow, 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 wow. I have wore that word out tonight. But I wanted to just keep hitting you like broadsiding a ship. I just want to keep broadsiding you with it. This church is not ordinary. Our God is not ordinary. You are not ordinary. And I see the cross-section of people in this church and the joy that you bring to the presence of God by your worship and by your attitude. I say, God, I am a privileged pastor to be preaching congregation of people like this. And every time I bring a new staff in, and I've got the greatest staff I've ever had. These guys are awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. I love them. Every staff that comes in said, Pastor, we don't, what do you do here on Wednesday night? What do y'all do for a function? Well, we have church. And every staff that comes in said, I just can't believe that people come to church here on Wednesday night. And then they realize that this church understands that Wednesday night is an awesome evening to experience Jesus. And now they look around and say, well, 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 we need a few more people in here. They catch a hold of the concept. Let me tell you something. If you're extraordinary, people that you bring will catch a hold of your concept. Because this is not an ordinary place. We don't serve an ordinary God. And we're not just ordinary people. We've been redeemed. We've been touched. First John 2 declares, see what love the Father has given us. 
that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Amen. Ted Banks, it's an honor, sir, to be your pastor. Thank you. Dale Wainwright, it's an honor, sir, to pastor you and your sweet wife. Hey, Royce, you've been on that front row a long time, buddy. It's a joy to be your pastor. Hey, Tom, I love you, man. Thanks for going to the prison. Thank you. Really mean that. Thank you. And you take, you take this extraordinary God to those prisons, and you bless those people, and you give them a chance to have hope. Tom Cook, where you at, buddy? Where you at, Tom? Stand up, Tom. Stand up, Tom. I want to honor you tonight. Stand up, sir. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. He came to me 23 years ago and said, I want to go to prisons. Will you, will you mind if I go? Do I mind? No, Tom, I want you to go. Pastor, I want to go to prisons. I want to go. I want to tell people that Jesus loves them. That's extraordinary. You can never delegate something if the heart is not burning on fire to do that something before you delegate it. And this church has never had to have delegations. It's always been people that want to do the job and want to do it right. All you Sunday school teachers. Are you choir members? All you ushers? Come on now. All you lady shushers? Nobody can call down a kid like a mama. All the precious people that make up this congregation. These precious people that's come to join us. The Anderson, wonderful. I know that I'm meddling now. But it's extraordinary. It's out of the realm of the ordinary. It's good stuff. I want us to stand to our feet tonight. I want us to stand to our feet tonight. And I want us to sing, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. Woo! Hallelujah. When I wake up in the morning, all And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.